0: Welcome to the one-on-one with one and only sports podcast. I'm your host Theo One. Welcome to season two of the podcast where we are going to be looking at the stories and lives of the players, coaches, and personalities that make up the world of Ultimate. Each week I will talk to a new guest and we will talk about their journey into Ultimate, what their life in Ultimate looks like, their most memorable games, and a fun rapid fire segment to end the episode. If you like the podcast we would love for you to subscribe and get the word out about the podcast to others. Your support is truly appreciated. New episodes come out every Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by the Pocket AT. Ever want to have your health-related questions answered whenever you have them? Look no further than the Pocket AT. It is like having an athletic therapist with you 24-7. It's a free informational hub that provides you everything you need to know about your health, including rehabilitative exercises, advanced sport-specific exercises, proper ways to stretch and foam roll, mobility exercises, nutrition, and a bi-weekly blog that discusses the most commonly asked questions to practitioners. Check out their content on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at the Pocket AT, and on their website at PocketAT.com. Now with all that done, let's go. This week's guest is Jamie Erickson. Jamie was a co-captain for Dallas Public Enemy, a mixed team that finished 7th at the 2019 USA Ultimate National Championships. She previously played club for Texas Showdown and was selected to be on the 2020 edition of the Austin Torch of the Premier Ultimate League. In addition to playing club, she played five years with University of Texas-Dallas Whiplash, capturing three of those years. She was a 2019 D1 All-Region South Central First Team Selection and was given an invitation to the 2018 USA U24 tryouts. Jamie is from Dallas and currently resides in San Diego, California. Here is my interview with Jamie Erickson. Alright, so I'm here with Jamie Erickson. I've seen a bunch of her content on Instagram, and it's very inspirational for uh, how she's pursued the sport of Ultimate in her uh, day-to-day life. So I'm excited to have her. Jamie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're going to jump right into segment one here, your journey. So can you tell the audience how you got to where you are in Ultimate, as I mentioned in the bio, captaining a team out of Dallas, public enemy, a mixed team, but also playing in the women's division in college and also with Austin Showdown. So how did that kind of all start for you?
1: Yeah, so I first started playing competitive ultimate when I went to UTD and joined the women's team um, my freshman year of college. That's really when I fell in love with it. And it was probably my, my spring of my sophomore year when I started to dedicate myself a lot more. I had met Gabe Hernandez, who ended up winning the Callahan Award in 2018. Uh, He was from Dallas, and I remember a conversation we had where he said he used to suck at throwing, but he threw every day for a whole semester or 100 days in a row. And I was like, I suck at throwing. Like, I can do that too. So he was really a big inspiration for me to start dedicating myself more to the sport. And then I ended up making Texas Showdown The summer after my sophomore year after throwing a bunch and that really kind of got my gears rolling where I was like, I can work really hard for this and make things happen. In October of 2019, that's when Mike Haddock reached out to me and he was basically like, hey, I've seen you on Instagram. You seem to work really hard. Your values seem to align with our program. I'd love to work with you. So that's when I started working with Mike and my athleticism has completely transformed since then. And I feel like has really taken my game to the next level. And then lastly, probably in uh, December, December of 2019, I started working with a throwing coach and that also totally started to transform my game. So just being able to work with coaches, both on my athleticism and my throwing has really gotten me to where I am today. Loving the sport, feeling really great about it.
0: Yeah, big shout out to Mike Haddock. He's one of my uh, buddies there. We had him on the podcast earlier in season one there. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I would recommend it. Uh, You can hear a lot about his philosophy of training and sort of what he does for Ultimate players like Jamie. So that's great. And so we're going to back up all the way back to your freshman year at college there. So how did you even hear about the sport? Were you just walking at a club fair and someone told you about it? Like, how did you kind of find out about this sport of Ultimate?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of a funny story because I played super casual pickup ultimate before my freshman year and really loved it, but it was not organized or competitive whatsoever. But one of the days when I was out with my friends playing, a couple of women from the UTD women's team happened to be out at the same field we were at doing a track workout. So we started up a conversation and they were like, hey, we play for a club team at UT Dallas. And I was like, I'm going to UT Dallas next year. So that was actually the connection. And once I got there, I followed up and joined the team.
0: Nice. And do you think they were scouting you potentially because they were seeing if you're going to throw those like dad barbecue backhands kind of thing? They were (laughs) seeing if you could actually throw a real diss there.
1: Oh, I'm sure they were.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And what is your other like sort of athletic uh, sport background? You don't normally hear a lot of athletes making some of these elite level club teams just right out of college if they've only been playing for a couple years so I'm just going to assume your athleticism is off the charts (laughs) so what did you do kind of in high school and before uh, college there
1: yeah my main sport background was cross country and track so I didn't really have a lot of hands-on sport backgrounds so that's why throwing definitely did not come naturally for me but The more athletic side of things, running, sprinting, being able to cut, that definitely came from my track background, I would say.
0: And so as you played for Whiplash there for UT Dallas, can you kind of walk through maybe like a couple minutes, snapshot of your career, kind of how you progressed as a player and how the team sort of did as well?
1: Yeah. So when I first joined the team, I think it was in its second or third year of existence. So it was very new. We were definitely not very good, not very competitive, but we had a lot of people that year, a lot of new people who joined. So it was really cool to join in that year and basically grow with the team and also help grow the team myself. So I ended up captaining my sophomore year through my senior year, so for three years. And I think, you know, I wanted to get better myself. And in turn, I also wanted to see the team grow. So I put a lot of time into really building the team and my own playing abilities, which I was really proud about. My uh, junior year, we went to regionals for the first time, and then my senior year, we placed fifth at regionals. So that was really awesome to see the team grow and become more competitive and committed. It was a really rewarding experience.
0: How was that regionals tournament at? And I assume it didn't go your way just because you said you came fifth, and usually there's like two or three bids per region. So how did that tournament go for you as a player and for the team?
1: So our region had two bids to nationals, which tends to go to UT of Austin and University of Colorado. So they're typically the two teams who's like, yeah, they're, they're going to nationals. I think third place went to Colorado College, and then we tied for fifth place with Washington University, St. Louis. Yeah, so we ended up playing WashU in that fifth place game. I guess they got fourth then because we ended up losing to them. You know, we had played them before, so they definitely came into that game with a game plan. They're like, "This is how we beat this team." It was a tough loss for sure, but I think overall we were just super proud to end up fifth after I think we had placed close to last or something the year before at regional. So just the growth was extremely rewarding to see
0: so then along with your college career how did that sort of blend in with your club career because it sounds like you were playing club or you tried out after your freshman year as well so how did it sort of blend together you playing club kind of in the college off season
1: so dallas has a very big club scene which i was extremely grateful to be a part of So after my freshman year, our college coaches were really great about encouraging everyone to go to club tryouts. So after my freshman year, I tried out for, I had actually gone to showdown tryouts for the experience. I didn't make it after my freshman year, which was totally understandable. But there were two women's teams in Dallas that I tried out for. There was a little bit higher level one, which... I actually thought I was going to make, and then I, I was cut. So that kind of fueled the flame for me wanting to get better and work harder. But I was lucky to be able to play for the other women's team in Dallas, which was an incredible experience. I had a little bit higher of a, a playing role, I think, and it really gave me a taste for, for what club was like. And I just fell in love with playing club in the off season.
0: Playing with Showdown, how did that inspire you to get better and just sort of impact your ultimate career to where it is now?
1: I think getting to experience such a high level of play. I remember one of the first games I played with Showdown, Opie Payne matched up against me when we were playing Fury and beginner Jamie totally freaked out. I was like, oh my god, this is Opie. She's defending me. What is going on?
0: You're fangirling a little bit, it sounds like.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely fangirling. But just getting to experience all the tournaments and traveling and playing against and with such high level players. It just solidified even more that this was what I loved to do and where I wanted to be. And I didn't get a lot of playtime that year. You know, I was a super rookie. i had only been playing ultimate for two years. So it just made me want to work harder to get more playtime, get better and be able to shine more on the field.
0: And what do you think the Austin team there, Texas Showdown, saw in you to take you sort of as a a relatively new player to the sport? What do you think they saw in you to uh, give you a shot on the team that year?
1: Yeah, so I think that was probably, honestly, one of the best tryouts I had ever had. Coming in, I had been working on my throwing, you know, that, that whole semester, throwing almost every day. So coming into the tryout, I felt really confident with just the amount of work I'd put in. And I came in with a fire to basically want to prove myself. So I think they were able to see that, you know, I was tall, had decent athleticism. I feel like I'm pretty coachable. So I think they were able to see, okay, here's someone who seems like they've put in a lot of work to develop from tryouts last year and is able to be coached. Like this is someone that we feel like we could invest our time into.
0: And so did you play with uh, showdown in 2018 as well? Or what sort of was that like for you in terms of your club career?
1: I didn't. So I played with them in 2017, and then the year after that, I switched to playing with Dallas Public Enemy. And my reasoning for that was mainly that I wanted to be able to get more reps. So when I played for Texas Showdown, I was traveling down to Austin for practices maybe every other weekend, whereas Public Enemy was practicing twice a week in Dallas. So Not having to travel so much and then getting more reps was an ideal situation for me. And I felt like that's what I needed to progress my level of play.
0: And then you were able to be a co-captain in 2019 there. So how did that all come about? As someone who's, you know, played Ultimate for a few years now, you've given this bigger role. So how was that as a captain for this pretty big uh, mixed team there?
1: It was really exciting, but also scary when they first asked me. So, I think I I tend to naturally fall into more leadership roles. I think that's just part of my personality. But it was definitely when they asked me, I was like, whoa, I am not experienced enough for this position. Why are you asking me? But we had, there were four captains in total, so... I definitely felt like there were other people who could pick up the slack on areas that I was less experienced. So strategy and just knowing what was best for planning practices. But I think I could bring a lot of more emotional leadership to the team. So during that year was a really big year for me to discover the importance of teaching mental toughness and positivity. And that was sort of where I found myself leading the team for that
0: year. So in in 2019 at Nationals, How did that tournament go for you as a team and you as a leader, as you were mentioning, developing the areas of mental toughness and positivity towards your teammates?
1: Yeah, so we ended up placing seventh, which was really great, but also kind of unfortunate because we basically lost all of our games the first day at Nationals. And so the highest we could place after that was seventh.
0: To get into the pro flight kind of thing.
1: Yes. I think we all felt like we could have placed higher, but that first day was just mentally a really rough day for us. So on one hand, I wish I had stepped up as a leader on that first day sooner to sort of bring our team together and address our mental fortitude and our positivity that day. But we ended up addressing it more on the second day and our game just completely turned around. Thursday, we weren't doing the things we were supposed to be doing. And then Friday, we ended up coming together and talking things out. And yeah, everything just clicked on that day and for the rest of the tournament.
0: Yeah, it's probably a pretty sweet feeling to be able to to be on leadership for a team that was able to, to finish that high. So that's awesome. Jamie and I met through uh, Instagram. For those who um, have it, I would recommend checking her Instagram out and just seeing some motivation for uh, playing Ultimate and just getting better. So Jamie, what inspired you to kind of start that? You mentioned that Mike kind of found you there as well. So what inspired you to give people a snapshot into your journey as an Ultimate Player?
1: So actually one of my good friends from UTD who played on the men's team, Christian Cortez, he had started an Instagram for himself. Christian Plays Frisbee. I think he still kind of uses it. But he basically made that for accountability. So to just post workouts, keep track of stuff you know, he tried to post every day. So it held him accountable. And I, again, was like, this is a great idea. Can I, can I join in on this? So I started my account one for accountability, but I also had the hope that I think women athletes and women in sports just needs more visibility. I think young girls and other women need role models to be able to look up to. So I kind of had in the back of my head, this dream that, you know, if I grew in the sport and was able to grow my Instagram that I could just help contribute to motivating other females into joining the sport working hard for the sport and realizing that you know they can achieve the goals that they want to
0: that is a very noble goal there so in terms of you mentioning wanting to be a mentor and and kind of inspiration to others who besides Gabe Hernandez you mentioned him earlier who was some, some other people you want to give a big shout out to that kind of helped you on your journey Oh,
1: man, I feel like I could give so many shout outs. I always felt very supported in the Dallas community. I felt like people really wanted to help me grow. So I played on the league team where I met Kevin Christian. He plays on Public Enemy as well. He was a really great mentor for supporting me, helping me learn how to throw better, kind of helping connect me with Public Enemy. And then Danny Runzo, another player on Public Enemy, was a huge support to me. Paul Utesh. I think he's, he's pretty well known in the ultimate scene. He kind of, when I, my freshman year basically was like, Hey, like, you know, you've got some potential, like keep working hard. You can do this. So he was a huge support. Yeah. I think those would probably be the the big names.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. This leads to that question then what made you decide to keep going with ultimate? Cause you know, some athletes, you know, they might face some trials of getting cut from a team or struggling to throw, as you mentioned coming from a track and cross-country background, you're not throwing a ball often. You didn't come from, let's say, a baseball background or something like that. So what was the motivation for you to just keep going when uh, it's tough to to throw a flick for most people, right, when they come from other backgrounds? So,
1: I think, honestly, I just love the sport. You know, I love being active and I love competing and I feel like there are fewer outlets to do that as you get older, as you graduate from college. And Ultimate's one of those rare opportunities where you can continue to compete and stay active and play a sport beyond college and beyond your glory days. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: into the masters and grandmasters age is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, I think it really was just a love for the sport. I mean, even when it was tough. I just still loved to play and, you know, I could dial down how hard I was working and just still enjoy the sport and enjoy playing.
0: So we're going to go into the last question here of segment one. I want you to picture uh, someone similar to freshman, Jamie Erickson here. They want to eventually play for a top level mixed team or women's team or or men's team there. What's the advice you would give them to get to the level that you want to be at, you're at now and and sort of uh, to get to that next level?
1: I think first I would say find coaches or find mentors. I definitely wish I'd started with HSP and my Haddock a lot sooner because it absolutely changed everything for me. And I held off on it for so long because, you know, those things cost money and I was in college and cheap, but I wish I had invested in that sooner. And then same thing with, with a throwing coach. I started working with someone to work on my throwing mechanics and that, I wish I had done that at the start of my career because I could have learned so much better technique in such shorter amount of time. The other thing I would say is set goals and find ways to achieve those goals. So pick something you want to achieve and then figure out how to do it. So whether that's throwing every day or you know setting a workout schedule, just get organized, set those goals and, and work hard for them.
0: So what you just mentioned actually segues well into segment two, day-to-day life. So currently, what are some goals that you have? We know we're recording in a time where Ultimate has not happened. Nationals would have been around, you know, the time that we're recording here in October. But what are some goals you have in your own daily life right now, uh, training for Ultimate, hopefully for 2021 if it happens, so?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now it's definitely about the long game. So what's nice for me is that I love training. So... Even if we're not playing ultimate right now, I've found that I really like working out and practicing my throwing. So I just enjoy it. But I also think about, you know, for 2021 or whenever we get to play ultimate again, I really just want to come out and shine. And this is the time where, you know, maybe not everyone is working hard or unfortunately some people aren't able to work hard during this time. But I have the privilege to be able to and... I want to use this time to get better so that, yeah, when we get to play again, that I can show all the work that I've put into it.
0: So then can you give the audience a snapshot into what sort of your daily life looks like balancing Ultimate and other things like work or family or or things like that?
1: Yeah, so my main schedule is my HeadX Sports Performance workout schedule. That's my biggest thing. Um, I have a set program for that. I have my weekly schedule for it and I stick with it. And then I usually throw about three to five days a week, usually after my workouts that I do. And then there are a couple easier or off or recovery days within that week. So it balances really nicely. And then usually I do most of my workouts in the morning and then spend the rest of the day uh, working. I'm trying to learn some web development right now, so I usually go and work on that. But I've found a really nice balance between getting my work done in the morning or my, my workouts and my training done in the morning and then having the rest of the day to de- dedicate to to other parts of my life.
0: For throwing, I noticed um, on your Instagram there, sometimes you're just throwing into a net. Are you usually doing that? Are you throwing with a partner? Or are you tossing with someone, let's say some hucks and throwing to like a moving target? What does that look like?
1: I usually throw on my own usually into a net or just an open field for hucks. When I really dedicated to throwing my sophomore year of college, I I am and was pretty introverted, so I actually didn't want to throw with people cuz I just didn't want to be with anyone else, and I started throwing alone, and what I actually found was that I felt like I could get a lot better by throwing alone because I could really focus my time and energy on what I wanted to work on. I wasn't distracted by another person. I feel like it helped with my accuracy because I could pick a stationary target and throw to. So I started doing that and it just kind of stuck. I definitely still sometimes go throw with people. My My boyfriend is now retired from Ultimate Frisbee, but sometimes I'll make him go out and throw with me. But usually I tend to throw alone just because I like it and I feel like it helps me get better.
0: And has he transitioned into the ultimate uh, retirement sport there, disc golf, especially during COVID? Or has he sort of given up all disc sports there?
1: Not really. Sometimes we'll go to a disc golf course, but we still throw with regular Frisbees.
0: Yeah, you throw with the Ultra Stars. I I know, I know. I see it.
1: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But he actually does a lot of rock climbing now. That's kind of been the thing he's transitioned into
0: yeah it's funny because athletes of um all levels right you're gonna find something else to latch onto if it's not ultimate ultimate obviously takes a lot of time for people and costs a lot of money so for some people maybe they want to do something that's a little bit uh, less timely and less cost right so and in terms of your day-to-day you're documenting that stuff publicly right on instagram like i've seen posts where you're like i didn't want to throw but i did anyways and, and trying to inspire so what's the feedback been have you received sort of dms or comments from people who've felt compelled to kind of do what you've been doing, throwing every day for a month, let's say, what's the feedback been?
1: So I definitely have people who reach out and just say they follow my account or have been following my account and really appreciate either some of my transparency on the hard days or just how I motivate them. And that's super rewarding. It's probably the only reason that I still use the account and have it is some of the feedback I've gotten on knowing that I help motivate other players and especially other females. I don't know if I've seen as much visibly of people who have maybe gotten out and tried to throw every day. I do know Lily Goo, you know who she is. She uh, reached out to me and said she had been throwing every day for a while now. And that was really cool to see because she's awesome. But I think overall, it's just great getting some feedback of just knowing that I can help motivate one person in some way even if they don't go out and throw every day or try and work out every day if it inspires them to at least do do something a little a little more then that's enough for me
0: then you consider it a win there in terms of the the daily grind there i know a lot of athletes who are listening are going to understand the struggles of training all the time so how do you keep yourself motivated when you don't feel like it Especially when, you know, people found out earlier in 2020 that Ultimate Nationals wasn't happening, Worlds wasn't happening. So how do you stay motivated when you just really don't want to train that day or that week?
1: I think the biggest thing is honestly learning how to cut out motivation as a necessity. I went through a period where my goal was just to become the best player and that was my motivation and that's what drove me. And then a couple years ago, I kind of lost that drive and I stopped working as hard. And what I realized in that time is that if I wanted to continue to get better, I had to not rely on my motivation, but rely more on habits and my routine. So I kind of put in a month or two of hard work of just trying to build good habits and a good routine. You know, starting with HSP, it gave me a strict schedule to follow. So I knew what days I was doing what workouts. And that really helped. So now, I mean, there are still days where I don't really want to work out. And sometimes on those days, I still push myself to do it just because it's part of my routine. Sometimes I give myself the day off because I know I need it mentally. And I think it's just knowing how to listen to yourself and your body and know what days you can keep yourself going and push yourself to keep going and what days you really need to give yourself that break.
0: That's some good advice there. And so have you read a lot of books on habits? I know for myself, I've read a few books on that topic. So do you keep like a habit journal and have you read some sort of books on that, on that uh, topic?
1: Yeah, I don't think I've read a ton of books, but my dad is really big into habits and routine making. So I think he kind of passed it on to me, but I used to keep some, some habit journals. I guess I fell off the habit of keeping the habit journals, (laughs) but I think the biggest thing is, is just learning, you know, what works for you. So for me, it was having a schedule knowing, yeah, what I'm going to do on which day is, what time I'm going to do it. And just, it's like brushing your teeth. You know, you don't really think about brushing your teeth. It's just something you do because you hopefully do it every day. So just learning how to make things a part of your daily routine where you don't have to question it. You don't have to spend energy wondering if you're going to do it or not. You, you just do it.
0: Yeah, because um, as I've been reading in in this literature, all humans are made up of small or large habits, right? So even something as simple as turning on the lights, we built a habit that when it's dark, we need to see. So we need to turn on the lights. So it's, as you mentioned, making things as normal as possible. So that's awesome that you shared that. And we're going to move to segment three here, memorable games. So we're going to dive back into the Jamie Erickson archive here. Some might not know about sort of some of the great games you've been a part of or tournaments. So can you share first your favorite game that you've been a part of? It doesn't necessarily have to be a game that you've won, right? Because um, some of my favorite games are games I actually lost and learned a lot, or it was a good fight. So what's your favorite game that you've ever played in?
1: I definitely have a lot that I could pick from, but I think the one I'm going to have to go with was college regionals, my senior year, my fourth year of playing. It was our first game of the weekend, and we were playing against the University of Colorado, It was super windy that day, so it was pretty much just whoever was going downwind was scoring the points. But still, to be playing a team like that and to be basically on serve with them was a really cool experience. I mean, they definitely had some really close points where they almost got an upwind break, but we managed to hold pretty much up to universe point. Unfortunately, we were on the, the side of the disc flip where we were down and, you know, if they just kept holding, they were going to win the game. And it was actually on the universe point. The wind had died down a little bit and we were basically on the goal line about to score our upwind break to win the game. And we almost had it, but ended up throwing a disc out of bounds. And then they got...
0: Oh no, the wind came back up, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and then they ended up getting the downwind point and winning the game, but I think even though we lost that game, that whole year I had been telling the team that we could put up a fight against University of Colorado or University of Texas at Austin, and I think a lot of our team members didn't necessarily believe that. You know, they still looked at those teams and were like, these players are so out of our league, but... To have that game and to almost win that game and to be so close was such a huge moment for our team and our program to be like, hey, like, we're in this, like, we have potential, we've worked hard, like, we can compete against some of these teams. And it was just, yeah, a really great experience.
0: And that actually leads me to a question related to that, that you just brought up a good point. So in terms of even the club teams that you played for, even with Public Enemy or Showdown or or with uh, UT Dallas, how do you keep yourself from feeling that? You mentioned a little bit earlier about your freshman year playing Opie Payne, big name obviously for those listening. So how did you sort of stay focused on your goals and focus on your team's goals when you're playing Colorado's women's team and they've gone to nationals for how many years now and, and been successful? So how do you help your team ground themselves in that moment?
1: I think, well... On one hand, I think I have a little bit of a, a big ego when it comes to ultimate. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm super proud of that. But I, I think I I recognize that, you know, if I put in the work, I have some potential, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the biggest, the biggest part of that is just believing that if you work hard for things, you can achieve them. I mean, ultimate is still a relatively new sport so you know it's not like the NBA where you're trying to make it there and it feels so out of reach I think I think if you put in the work maybe uh reaching that level of play is a little easier to attain but yeah I mean I think it's just it's just believing in yourself and knowing that if you put in the hard work and if you commit yourself pretty much almost anyone can get there if they if they put in the effort
0: And were your roles different there for UT Dallas, especially in that windy game, than it would be with Public Enemy or Showdown?
1: As a leader, I guess they're probably pretty similar. I tend to fall into more mental fortitude and emotional support leadership roles. But as a player on UTD Whiplash, I tended to handle usually an O line handler. And then for Public Enemy, I was an O line cutter, typically a secondary cutter. So I guess they're both O line, but different roles in which on my college team I typically had the disc in my hand and on uh, Dallas Public Enemy I was usually running around in circles.
0: <laughs> running hopefully with a purpose right so that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Would you say that your college experience touching the disc a lot has helped you even at the club level being a cutter?
1: Definitely yes. So last year when I when I captain or co-captained for Public Enemy one of my coaches brought up how my throws seemed a lot more confident and I definitely grown my, my throwing abilities. And he, he could tell, and I could tell that just came from touching the disc more on my, on my college team. So that helped me as a cutter because I felt more confident, you know, throwing a continuation throw to another cutter instead of maybe resetting to, to a handler. And so that made me more of a threat I guess as a cutter because I could catch the disc and you know potentially throw a huck or break the mark or you know throw that continuation to the next cutter so yeah it helped immensely with with my abilities on public enemy
0: and so now uh, we're gonna dip back into the archive again but this time it's gonna be your least favorite game that you played it doesn't have to be a game that you necessarily lost because I know there's games that you could win that you just didn't win the right way or, or it just didn't go the way you wanted. So can you share with the audience your least favorite game that you've played?
1: I would probably have to pick a Saturday game we played against BFG at Northwest Fruit Bowl with Public Enemy last year. We had just had a bye. So, you know, we all got relaxed. It was like the end of the day. So we we're like, we just want to go home. But we had one more game against BFG and as leaders, I did not do my job and uh, several of the rest of us captains did not really do our job to get the team up and moving again before that game. You know, we did our warm up, but it wasn't very intense. It wasn't very focused. And we just kind of like moved into that game and they kind of just demolished us. Um, <laughs> our mental game was not there. People were just like sluggish and down on themselves and not really into it. and. Ooh, that was a really tough game to get through. But fortunately, the next day on Sunday, we were kind of able to use that game as a lesson and we ended up playing BFG again and had a much better, much closer game. So while that was my least favorite game, it also provided a really huge lesson to learn more about the importance of getting people into the right mindset before a game in order to, to compete your best.
0: And so do you feel that experience helped you as a captain that same year at nationals with mental fortitude and things like that?
1: Totally. Yes, for sure. I think it was that game specifically that really something clicked in my head where I was like, oh, like this is kind of my place as a leader. Like this is what I can help my team with is getting the energy up, getting people positive and supporting each other. I think you know, when you're losing a game and you start to get down on yourself, that's, that's a natural reaction. But I think that just only lends to you playing worse. So I kind of found from that game that even when you're feeling down, like you have to put in the effort to try and bring yourself back up mentally or else it's kind of a lost cause.
0: Yeah. So that's a a lesson for all players, right? That feeling where, you know, you've given up a few breaks or, uh, the other team's broken you a few times and it's just uh, going downhill and trying to to get back in there so appreciate you sharing that we're gonna move to segment four here rapid fire so we're gonna do some ultimate related first and then i'll ask you some other questions so would you rather throw your flick or backhand backhand what about a hammer or scooper
1: definitely scooper i do not have the hammer down yet <laughs>
0: That's all you gotta throw that every day, it sounds like, right? To to make that better. Yep. <laughs> okay, I want you to picture this scenario. Would you rather drop a pull or drop a catch in the end zone?
1: Drop a catch in the end zone. I think you can you can still recover after that, and I have like a deathly fear of dropping a pull.
0: <laughs> but since you're not handling anymore, you're cutting, I think you'll be okay with that, right? Not having to catch pulls, right? So Yeah. <laughs> hypothetically would you rather win five silver medals at nationals or one gold medal
1: i think one gold medal even though winning silver medals is a great experience like that would be really awesome to do i think like getting that gold just feels more complete you know you're like yeah like we did this and we did it all the way like to the max that we could
0: Awesome. And do you think Ultimate should be renamed to something else?
1: Yes, but I don't know what. I think it would be hard to rename it now, but I feel like it could have benefited from a better name.
0: <laughs> do you think Ultimate should have referees?
1: Hmm, that's a tough one. I don't know if I if I would want full-on referees, but I think I would want something better, better than observers probably like observers but with a little bit more more power
0: a little more ref flavor but not too much ref i see what you're saying
1: yeah i haven't fully thought this out yet but i've heard some very compelling arguments for a an in-between
0: what about should ultimate pursue or continue to pursue being in the olympics
1: i think that would be cool Again, you know, I haven't done a ton of research on it, so I don't really know what what the cons would be. But, you know, I think it would be a great way to get some more visibility of the sport and hopefully draw on some more more viewers and help the sport grow. So, yeah, I think right now I think that would be a good thing.
0: And then uh, lastly, should Ultimate use a weighted disc when it's windy? So, as you mentioned, you had your game against Colorado at uh, regionals there. You could have used a different weighted disc. Would that have helped, you think? Or uh, maybe not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I definitely would be would be open to that idea. I mean, I guess at, at a higher level of play, you know, the wind matters, but I think it matters less. So maybe not for the weighted disc because hopefully just as the sport grows, wind will become less of a, you know, a huge factor in winning a game. But definitely right now for... A lot of the college games I played, if it was too windy, like, you're just not even playing Ultimate at that point, and that's where a weighted disc, I think, could could potentially help.
0: Yeah, make it a little bit more fun. So we're going to ask some non-Ultimate questions here. I'm going to give you a chance to share a meal with three people in the course of human history, so anyone that's alive or has uh, passed on. So who would they be and why? Maybe
1: the first one would be Albert Einstein you know, just super smart dude. I don't know if that conversation, like maybe it would just be so just out of my league of intelligence that I wouldn't be able to follow, but I think that would be a cool experience. MLK, you know, you could say so much about him and that would just be, you know, incredible experience to get to talk to him and see into his mind. Ooh, okay. For the third one, definitely Alan Watts, if you know who that is. He was a, a philosopher who basically kind of helped uh, bring a lot of Eastern philosophy to the Western world. And a lot of his uh, podcasts and talks and books just completely changed my whole perspective on life. So getting to talk to him or have a, have a conversation with him would be incredible.
0: You're having some uh, pretty big heavy hitters there uh, in the course of history. So that's awesome. So I know you're uh, living out in California now so I'm not sure if you have a backyard there because I know living uh, isn't easy uh, in California, especially in uh, San Francisco, I've heard. But I'm going to give you a chance to put on a concert in your backyard. You can book any band or artist in the world, uh, living or uh, or dead there, or not a band anymore. you got to pick three and the order in which they play.
1: Okay, these are probably going to be maybe a little more obscure artists. Maybe for some people, I don't know. But I think the first one would be a band called The Microphones. They have an incredible album that I've been listening to a ton. The second one would be Bon Iver, for sure. He's great, love him. And then I think the third one would be Jeff Buckley, who is just an incredible musician and passed away when he was super young and getting to see a show from him would make my life.
0: So what would the order be? Is it the way you just listed it just now?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the order I would want to go. Jeff Buckley is kind of like the big hit for the end of the night. You know, he's like the main show. Although Bon Iver could definitely be a main show. I mean, he's amazing. But him in that second place, I think, would fit well between, between the two of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so last question here. You can't pick ultimate for this question. So I'm going to give you all the talent in the world. But you get to pick another sport to play. It could be individual, it could be team sport, but uh, what organization would you uh, want to play for a team or a tournament, let's say, let's say you want to be a golfer in the Masters or something, so what would you choose if you had all the talent in the world?
1: Man, I feel like I just find myself wanting to stick with, uh, with track and field, just coming from that background, like I would really want to be able to compete and perform in that.
0: <laughs> so what events were your uh, specialty back in the day when you were doing track and field?
1: I mainly ran the 800 and then the 400. I honestly was not very good at them. I think I'm probably faster now than I was in high school. So it'd be cool to be able to go back to the sports and uh, compete a lot better in it.
0: Awesome. And so that, Jamie, actually concludes our show for today. So if our audience wants to find out more about you and what you do, where can they find you online?
1: pretty much my my instagram so it's you know at jamie erickson or you can like look up my name jamie erickson that's that's pretty much where everything about me everything frisbee related about me is located
0: (laughs) i'm gonna leave all that information in the show description feel free to check that out give her a follow and be inspired to pursue whatever sport you want to get better at be it ultimate or something else so jamie once again thank you for your time do appreciate it taking time out of your schedule taking time of your workout schedule I know that Mike Haddock's got you on uh to come on the show here
1: yep I'm about to go go work on some throws after this so <laughs> thanks for having me it was a ton of fun I really appreciate it a lot
0: thanks for listening keep an eye out for the next episode where I interview Jonathan Goose Helton a two-time AUDL MVP and a player for the SoCal Condors and the San Diego Growlers of the AUDL in this interview Goose talks about his training regimen and we take a look back on a successful club and AUDL career. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports. You can see some of my commenting highlights on my YouTube at One and only sports. And you can reach me by email at theowan 6 at gmail.com. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace.